Welcome to Authority Issues, a podcast about leadership, management, and getting a few more sunny bike rides in before the weather turns to crap for the rest of the year. I'm Rachel Perkins, aka Pie or Pie Bob. I'm into words, operations, cheese, and whiskey, and of course, leadership. And um, yeah, I was. You can always just ride in the crappy weather, but but the sun, last sunny bike ride is a nice one. Um, and I'm Kendall Miller. You can live life between two and nine. It doesn't have to be one or ten all the hecking time. At least that's what I'm told. <laughs> you should listen sometimes. Uh, today on the show, we're talking about kids. What are they good for? Why have them? Should you have them? We both definitely have capital O opinions about this topic. And uh, a listener asked us uh, if we might talk about this. Yeah, so we'll get we to are that, always but. open to suggestions for topics. So if you send in a topic suggestion, I'm not saying we'll listen to you or talk about it, but uh, <laughs> this one is one that a listener sent in. So we're going to talk about it. And I like the reference here to kids. Huh. What are they good what for? What are they exactly. good for? Absolutely nothing. That's your you're, opinion. You're picking um, up what I'm putting down here, Kendall. <laughs> I like it so much. Can we sing a song at the beginning of every episode? Just No, to, no, we cannot. <laughs> when you listen at 2x time, I imagine I sound even more into Alvin! Um, okay, but before we dive into that, um, we have to give life updates. Tell me what's going on, what's <laughs> new with you, and what's the most interesting boat that's passed by your um, peninsula recently? Well, we've had, uh, so it's the time of year when the cruise ships all change their, <laughs> like some of the ones we normally see are going to the Caribbean, I guess, and now we get to see some ones that are more specifically for going into the ice and whatnot and that's kind of cool to see uh, and um but right today it's Wait, foggy are they, though i can't are see they built different to go into the ice yeah they they're like, smaller you can tell? yeah oh, okay they're smaller they have more internal um walls so they're less flexible hmm. like i remember the difference between going on um one of those big like caribbean cruise ships that have a big atrium in the middle like a shopping mall it's like really obnoxious right um they're really open in the middle. Uh, and then I went on the Queen Mary 2 for the first time, which does the Atlantic crossing. And it is, it still has like some, you know, interior space, but it's not like that. It, and that's on purpose so that it's uh, resilient in the face of like, you know, hitting an iceberg. And I remember <laughs> on the first time we went on it every day at noon, it's actually at 11, but the time they changed the time, the clock set back or it gets set forward an hour every day at 11, like, get in there. The captain gets on the comm and says stuff like, you know, here's today's fact, and, like, the fact is, this is the closest this ship is going to get to where the, the Titanic went down, and everyone's like, ooh. And then, oh, and now it's noon. It's time to go to lunch. But, um, but anyway, it's foggy <laughs> out there now, speaking of running into things. So you might hear a, a foghorn or two. Yes. If the mic picks it up. It's something is that a... wakes me up a lot. <laughs> You know, foghorn leghorn, I never thought about the fact that it was foghorn and that that was, a, yeah, never, never occurred to me until right now. It's kind of a soothing noise, but yeah, in the morning it does wake me up. So, yeah, so um, okay, so wait, so, so there's some interesting boats going by, but then I, I asked also like, what's the other life update? What's, what's gone on with Rachel lately? Oh, I just found out that uh, a grant proposal that I wrote for my nonprofit got funded. So that was another 25K cha-ching for foster kids and helping support foster households. Um, I'm pretty, pretty psyched about that. Uh, I'm going to have a game night with uh, the foster family that I 
uh, help support this Friday night, and I'm looking forward to that. Um, one of the kids is 15 years old and is a big D&D fan, so they and I have been texting a little bit about that and talking when I pick them up from school. Sometimes I pick them up because their uh, foster parent has to do stuff at work or whatever. Um, that's part of the goal of this nonprofit is to like pitch in, have an extended family built of people that are part of the community to yeah. uh, to help make it more easy to be a foster parent because it's really, really hard to be a foster parent. Yeah, like, I, I have adopted but, kids and yeah. foster parents are like the, the, I mean, that is a whole different level of like, yeah. My my brother yeah. fostered four kids before he adopted Ooh. the fourth one and one of them was for two and a half years they got him like the day he was born uh fed him through a feeding tube for like the first 6 months of his life like I mean wow. it was a hard and it's and when work. they gave the kid back to the mom which was was always the plan like to be clear and for my brother mm-hmm. it was like yeah, we were always working towards that yeah. yeah we stayed in touch with the mom but for his kid who his son was like 10 at the time was like dad you gave away my brother like you gave away a baby yeah like yeah he's he's been a part of my family for two and a half years like how do we just you know and because it's just so much harder for the kids to understand that i anyways it's an incredible sacrifice and it's hard and difficult kind of on topic too for today but yeah yeah. Uh, so anyway that's uh that's what's keeping me busy this this week is planning for that the you know what kind of snacks should i have what kind of games will we play Will they have fun? You know, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to that. So, That's good. Yeah. What about you, man? I hear there's some uh, exciting news in, in the world of, you know, business, whatever. Dude. Well, there's a lot of things <laughs> I'm excited about. Um, I had some big exciting news uh, in some of the corporate development work that I do. And I think there will be a press release by the time this comes out. But I'll uh, leave it at that. You'll probably Ooh. see it on my LinkedIn or something because um, I'm not actually sure what I should be sharing. And so I'll just leave it to the people who publish all the bits about what we're sharing. So that's exciting. Um, I'm very excited about that because I've worked my ass off on that and too much of my ego is tied to it because of the role that I played in it in terms of uh, what I suggested, when I suggested, how it could have panned out if it caved in, all of those things. So anyways, um, I'm very excited about that because it, uh, it all went through. and Living uh, life at 10. Living life at 10. And then last week, uh, two weeks ago, um, we announced that I'm now in the spirits game. You bought a barrel of whiskey uh, and that you put your your name on. I'm uh, going to be shipping a whole bunch of barrels of uh, gin to start and whiskey later on. Um, Mm -hmm. It's called Friday Deployment Spirits. It's FridayDeployment.co if you want to go sign up and get on the waiting list. It's uh, the first (laughs) thing we're launching. Well, the first thing we're launching is called Force Push Gin. And uh, yeah, the whole thing is going to be tech jokes. And we're targeting the tech market. We're we're partnering with a We're partnering with a small distillery that makes very good spirits. We're going to have, I mean, I went and did last, a week ago Wednesday... I was at the distillery doing tastings. You know, me and the guy who are doing it together had put put together some flavor profiles we wanted to uh, bring out in this first gin. And um, man, all of them were fucking fantastic. Uh, but we picked one. <laughs> there was a, there was a clear winner, and um, I'm very excited about it. as a gin as a person who loves gin. I can't call myself a gin drinker because I really hardly drink it ever anymore. But gin's my drink. I just can't process it anymore. Uh, as I've gotten older, unfortunately, but um, uh, but this is very wow. good gin. I mean, I did have 
some last Wednesday. Uh, <laughs> I plan to drink some when it comes out, but it's just, it's an occasion, yeah. very occasional thing for me. I actually get a rash when I drink hard alcohol most of the time. I, I get, it's I like a different kind of dog fooding. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that is a different kind of dog food. Anyways, so I'm very excited about that. I mean, it's, it's, um, this is a hobby thing. We're going to be making mm-hmm. like 650 bottles to start. Uh, and then we'll, we've had a lot of people already sign up. There's actually a lot of demand for this. Uh, and you know, we'll see how it is. If I, if I lose my shirt on it, maybe we don't keep going, but I think we're going to be able to sell it just fine. And I think, um, I'm excited to be in the liquor business. Uh, the Friday deployment label is a, you know, it's funny because it's like this old timey guy with a big beard leaning back against a computer desk, flipping off the world. Uh, the Uh label I'm very excited about. And, um, I do think this is a lot about the label and the names of the beverages, for sure. It's going to be highly entertaining. I mean, I want I want a bottle in the future that's like, I did ISO and all I got was this bottle of whiskey, right? Like, I want, <laughs> I want names like uh, Vim and Emacs and their paired bottles that come together or tabs and spaces on April Fool's and it's two empty bottles. We probably won't actually ship empty bottles, but it'd be really funny if we had tabs and spaces and they were both just empty I mean, it bottles. It could be like red um, and white, ver- you know, dry and sweet vermouth. Oh, yeah. there's there's Well, so the distillery that we're working with can do just about anything including um you know digestifs uh which i'm a big fan of so anyways if we succeed with this at all you'll get stuff that's going to be fucking fun (laughs) yeah i mean well no i mean gin is very tailored to me and the whiskey that we've got already set aside you know assuming this doesn't all cave in is is a very good whiskey um i'm excited about all of it i'm i'm it's also just like fun the guy that i'm partnering with his name's uh rishi he and i have known each other worked together for a long time um he's mm-hmm. a long time tech exec i think he's a vp at uh a bank right now he's maybe he's been on the podcast at some yeah, point we've yeah, probably had I him believe on he has yeah. been on the podcast yeah totally so, all of your friends have been on the podcast Kendall. i do invite all of my <laughs> friends uh we have somebody coming next week right oh yeah i think i think the next uh-huh. time we talk is uh, somebody i work with too so anyways be i am my best behavior yeah well i'm excited so that's what's going on in kendall land uh and and meanwhile Congrats. while because it's on topic family's chugging along i have to say you know we moved back from portugal because of school things i think i mentioned mm-hmm. that um, my family is in a lot better shape. My kids are doing a lot better. Oh, and you know, some of that's just the school is a lot better situation here uh, than where mm-hmm. we were in tiny town in Portugal without Portuguese as a native language. So um, mm-hmm. it's been good. There's some some hard things in the adjustment, but for the most part, my kids are just having a blast. And uh, when, the, when the kids are happy, life is a lot easier. So um, with that... It's a lot Let's of work, pivot man. into the topic. So we, yeah, we had we had somebody reach out, uh, and and we're representing both ends of the scale here. Like, there's a lot of people out there with one kid, which is a very different situation than the four kids that I have. Like, let's mm-hmm. start by saying that. So I'm representing four kids, and you know, all in on the chaos that's involved. <laughs> yeah. You're representing the no kids, no kids. side of the argument, and what mm-hmm. we want to talk about is. How this affects career, how this affects life, how this affects your long-term worldview, yeah, Why et you might make these choices, yeah. Why you might make these choices, and, and why there's an obvious choice, and Rachel chose wrong. So let's start with you <laughs> as the uh, the person who made the wrong decision, and then we'll come uh-huh. to you. Yeah. Well, I have to start out by saying, look, I made the choice that was good for me, and I have not been sorry about it, ever. Um 
yet, Rachel. <laughs> yet. No, keep going. I'm a bit further along than you, Kendall. So uh, if anyone has authority in this area, it's me. Uh, I have well, been if anyone has longer. authority issues in this area, it's yeah, me. No, it's keep both going. of us, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, that's the whole freaking point of this podcast. Uh, we said the name. We should drink or something. Authority issues. It's like when we watch a movie, that is a thing that comes up. Oh, they said the name of the movie. You have to drink. Um, I didn't know that. But anyway, yeah, I, uh, I never wanted to have kids. Um, I'm sure there are a bunch of reasons that I, you know, that are more subconscious or it might be about the experience I had being a kid and what I saw my parents going through and what I saw other parents going through. It's a huge responsibility. I'll just start out by saying that. Like I, I have a lot of respect for people who choose to do it and, and go all in. What I don't like is when I see people who... Had decided to have kids because, or they didn't think about it. They're just like, it's just what you do. And then they're like, oh my God. And then they get resentful. They're always unhappy about it. It, you know, the, the responsibility is so big that it will absolutely impact your entire life. Um, and, uh, I, yeah. I feel I have spent a lot of time in my life trying to protect myself from the needs of others, uh, for a variety of reasons, probably good and bad. And so but you're in a marriage relationship where there's there's needs of others. I mean, that's sure. that's a give and but take. I, yeah, but you were okay with that. I'm okay with that, and uh, of course, I spent like so we're coming up on our seventh anniversary, and we've been together for 23 years now. It'll be, um, uh, yeah, that person was already an adult and able to deal with their own bullshit by the time that uh, we got oh, together. Oh, as though, as so. though adults are capable of dealing with their own bullshit. I mean, some are, Rachel, but let's it's be pretty, honest. You've pretty you've self-centered with view lot there, Kendall. Of people. <laughs> <laughs> Just because you no. can't handle your bullshit. <laughs> no, I oh, mean, I gosh. know an awful lot of people that because they they don't want to pay for therapy they bring all of their issues to work mm. and hope to work them out there so anyways keep going oh man that's an entirely different thing but uh, yeah. Well, yeah uh yeah i i uh i didn't want to have kids like i was in, i was engaged 3 times before um i got together with my my husband and um i broke it off each time and two of the times the other person was like oh of course we'll have kids and i'm like uh no no, that's not a thing I want. And it wasn't central to the reason that we broke up, but it was probably for the best. Yeah. Uh, once once it became more serious and more like, oh, we're actually going to put a ring on this thing, it became much more like, oh, I, I, we have to have this agreement and we're not in agreement here. And so uh, we should probably end it. Um, and I'm glad. I'm glad I did not go through with it for many reasons. Uh, but yeah, I... I have I spent a lot of time taking care of kids when I was younger. I ran the church nursery at my yeah, church for a while. I babysat a lot. I don't dislike children, as you as I talked about earlier. I'm looking forward to having these kids over to play games. I'm uh, I spend a fair amount of time with kids. Some of my best friends have kids. <laughs> yeah, uh, as the saying goes. But uh, I'm glad I have the so... bandwidth to take care of myself and my own bullshit. It's a huge yeah. responsibility. So it would have affected a great deal about my career. You know, I have to say, I'm sure you're an equal partner in the raising of your children, but that is not necessarily the case for just about any other person. Um, as a woman, I would have had to give up a great deal more to have children uh, in a lot of ways. 
Yeah. Uh, of course, that when I was younger, the idea of actually giving birth also terrified <laughs> me, although it was not a main part of why I chose not to do it. It is really about boundaries and having my life to myself once I became an adult. So that's... Uh, having been there for birth, uh, <laughs> if it doesn't scare you, holy fuck, that is some scary right? shit. Also, and I then mean, they do it again my... because of biology. Oh yeah, well, b- both of my kids are miracles of modern science. My my wife and Your probably kids, my kids yeah. would have died. Yeah, both of my bio kids would have would have probably died in birth if it weren't for modern medicine. So um, yeah, the in- intelligent design, my ass. That's well, a saying I, when, that happens a lot around here. <laughs> well, right after right after a kid's born, it, I probably have six months where. Every time I'm in a crowd, I'm looking around going, no fucking way. Every one of these people entered Everybody the world went through, through this. that. Like, that yeah. is so traumatic. Unbelievable. How did this many people survive? And granted, through a lot of history, a lot of them didn't. But, a lot uh, of people anyways. didn't survive, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, well, do you want to say more about that before I dive into my spiel here? I don't think so. I think you're, you have things to say, and you should say them. Well, so I have a, a lot to say, and I'll back up to, to some of my story. I, I, I'm going to take issue with, I doubt I am an equal partner in the raising of my kids. I do my best okay. to be, but like, there's a reality that because I'm the primary financial earner, some things fall on my wife, kids related, that uh, uh, you know, when, when we're debating who does what, I do the best I can to carry as much of the load as I can, but uh, I'm... Mm-hmm. I'm no society has a way of doing yeah well that. and we have a we have, in a lot of ways we have a very traditional looking relationship even though we don't have a traditional philosophy around a lot of it so uh and by traditional i mean american conservative traditional um mm-hmm. but uh so let me back all the way up so i grew up in a house with just one brother um and never thought about kids that wasn't going to be a thing that was on my radar right like i just i mean the same way that i don't think about color Right, like it's just it's just not a thing that registers for me. It wouldn't matter. I wouldn't have considered it. And um, in college, I had to take an education class as part of my gen ed whatever requirements. And in that education class, I was required to go. I went to the University of Colorado in Boulder. I was required to go to a PTA meeting of a school. So I get on and look at when the PTA meetings are. And there's an elementary school across from the campus, like literally across the street. And uh, I found what night was a PTA meeting and I went to this PTA meeting and, you know, I I don't say anything in this PTA meeting. I'm just there to observe because I'm supposed to write a paper about it or something. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm sitting in this like really old cool building because Boulder's got some old weird stuff by American standards old. Um, And (laughs) um, this uh, this little kid comes up to me. I think it was a little girl, you know, maybe six or seven years old. And she had stapled a piece of cloth to a toilet paper roll. That was the whole thing. And she hands this to me and says, here, I made you a pioneer. And I'm like, like tear up and like, holy shit, I want 10 of you. You're so cute. Oh my God. And I walked out of that. (laughs) Like I I have this distinct memory of walking out of that going, I'm going to have 10 kids. I, this was amazing. I want, I want all the kids. Oh, super weird that this had, you know, like what was this interaction? But it, Definitely had that impact on me. So I was always like, I want all the kids. And um, we got married and had kids pretty young. Like my, I have four kids and my youngest was born when I was 26. Right? Cool. So like, uh, yeah, I'm going to empty nest at 44 if uh, if the kids do as they're oh fucking Oh my God, tool. watch um, out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, so... 
Um, yeah, who, who knows what'll happen, but that's the plan. God damn it. Um, anyways, the, uh, get it over early. So we're, we're involved in this religious organization at the time. Mm-hmm. And I think my wife looks back on it and says, part of the reason I think I had kids so young was that was the only thing that a woman was supposed to do in that kind of yeah, space. Like yeah. there was a lot of pressure to like, just have kids because that's your place. And, and I mean, right down to like, we had a boss once that wouldn't talk to my wife. He would tell me what to do and then tell me to tell my wife, even though she was a direct uh, report to him. Urge and, to stab uh, rising. Oh yeah. I mean, when I look back on some of the bullshit we put up with, it's, it's really hard for me to process, but uh, you know, deeply steeped Imagine in that in my like early 20s. Well, and without a clue, like, you know, we don't know what to push back on or what's normal mm-hmm. or, you know, we have a lot better idea and, and, and not mad at ourselves, like to be clear, but no, um, you were young and stupid. Yeah. 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 And, and I think like, I really like that we had kids young because it requires a lot of vim and vigor. Like these people who have, mm-hmm. you know, these men who have kids in their sixties, I'm like, fuck. Is, you yeah. guys are making you a choice. You don't know what you got I yourself not, into. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I can't imagine, especially when you know when they're little. When I had four because they're all within two years of each other. So there was a long time in there where I was up fourteen times a night. You know, and it's just your body mm-hmm. adjusts. You get used to it. All of that. But um, anyways, yeah, wow. I will say uh, I love having kids, and like it is my goal with my children to not just have a healthy home where they feel safe and loved, but I want the next level up where they know that mom and dad delight in just being around them. Like, we just fucking love being with you. And, and I'm super glad. Well, first of all, I have one that makes that really hard. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully Three. they don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> well, no, no. He, I mean, he knows. He, he, like, I talk to him all the time like, hey, man, I love you. I care about you all the time. It drives me fucking nuts when you X, Y, or Z, right? Like, but there's, uh, he just pushes every button and mm-hmm. every boundary um, all the time. He makes me be a strict parent, which I am not a strict parent. This may surprise you. But it's really hard for me to be like, you have to X or this is the consequence. And with him, if I give ever in anything, he can't, you know, he'll, he, 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 there's no response. Yeah. So he I have to be that. super, yeah. yeah, it drives me nuts. My wife's better at it than me, thank God. But um, so I will say this. One, I am a privileged white man who has been through, you know, a lot of supportive of white man systems that have enabled me to have a career, have kids, uh, you know, be involved in all of these things. I have worked flexible, unusually flexible jobs. Um, Mm -hmm. I have been able to have success despite it. So like, it's easy for me to say you can have it all right. Uh, Mm -hmm. um, Oh, fuck you, Kendall. (laughs) Well, that's, that's what, that's what a lot of the dream is, right? Like a lot of people are like, well, I want kids and I want a career and I want, and and Mm -hmm. a lot of times you're choosing between those things. And for my wife, like, like she did sacrifice a lot of career success things that, Mm -hmm. I um, can imagine as a result of being, you know, she was a stay at home mom until my youngest went to kindergarten. And then she went and got a master's degree and she works as a social worker now. And, um, there's some amount of, she can't just take any job she wants. She has to take the job that revolves around the school calendar, uh, in order to mm-hmm. make it it's that flexible. I can, yeah. In order to make it that I can keep being the primary money earner. Um, and that's, that's conversation that we have that, you know, I, I would, I would be open to her being the primary money earner. The problem with tech is you get used to a certain kind of lifestyle and there's not a lot of industries you can make that kind of money. Um, Anyways, Mm -hmm. so uh, all this to say, I think if, if, 
for people who have a dog or a pet, like a dog, a dog is amazing because a dog just thinks you are the best thing in the whole wide world always. You come home, that dog is so excited to see you, right? And you delight in that dog in part because that dog delights in you. And kids are not always like a dog. <laughs> I was uh, saying, if you have a dog, a lot of people go, I'm going to interrupt here, a lot of people decide, if they're trying to decide whether they're able to have, you know, want to have kids, prepared to have kids, they will get a pet. They will get a dog first and see if the, how that is. And yeah. I'm like, well, I mean, to some degree that makes sense. But man, it is not the same, right? It is totally not no, the same. No, it's not the same thing. And, you know, first of all, a human's a way bigger commitment. It's not even an 18-year commitment. It's really the rest of their life, which is the rest of your mm-hmm. life, probably. Or it should be, yeah. Yeah, and, um, you know, I, I have three kids that are, they pay attention in school, they get good grades, they listen to mom and dad. A scolding from one of us is enough discipline for just about anything. They will change their behavior, they will do what's been asked. And I have one kid that is like, fuck it's you. Like, I will burn this shit no. to the ground. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong. I love him to death. He's a delightful kid, but it is hard, way harder when you have somebody who pushes every boundary. And like, I think it's really easy for a lot of parents to be like, being a parent is easy. Anybody who thinks it's hard is a fucking idiot. They just didn't need to follow my 12 step program. And they'd be, you mm-hmm. know, like, and, uh, no, some kids are just harder than others. And, um, it takes away from, uh, it does take away from work, right? Like, like I don't dedicate my entire life to work. I have pretty strict boundaries because I want to spend time with, time with my kids. I don't want to miss out on them growing up. I want to be there for them when mm-hmm. things get bad. I want to go to their yeah. cross-country meets. I want to go to their basketball games and their soccer games and their choir performances and their, and their orchestra performances and, yeah. and their dance rec- I mean, and they do all of this. Like, there's a lot. And, oh, yeah, your um, kids are in everything. I know. They're in everything. Well, and because they're all of this age group, like, it, my life right now is batshit crazy. Like, I'm a professional, you know, chauffeur 90% of the time because none of them mm-hmm. are old enough to drive, but all of them are old enough to want to be independent. And so, uh, you know, anyways, I <laughs> love anyway. it because it's <laughs> like, well, it's like a dog in that. You do train the dog. You're proud of what the dog becomes. You're, you know, you're, oh, you're, you're you bring it along. The dog becomes like you. Well, I think people, I think people can relate to that. A, a, mm-hmm. a, a, a human that is your child uh, is every bit like that, but even more so. And and so, as a parent mm-hmm. of adopted and biological kids, like. There's some amount when you first adopt a kid, you look at him and you're like, that's, he doesn't look like me. He doesn't act like me. But you know, two years in, he walks like you, talks like you, thinks like, and you, and he's just your kid. Like you don't, you don't, you don't notice that this kid is different. You know, you don't think Mm -hmm. of them as different. They're just your kid. And, uh, some people have different attachment things with that, uh, to be clear, like it's complicated adopting kids is that's a whole another discussion. But, um, you know, you just look at this kid and, and you're like, they have the same problems I have. They think like me. Mm. They have the, you know, and and even my kid who drives me nuts sometimes, right? Like a lot of it is because he's like me in a lot of ways and he presses a lot of boundaries in ways that are, anyways. And I will say when your kid is sick or your kid's having a hard time or your kid is injured, like you can't think about anything else. Mm, they I bring can imagine. The, they bring life's highest highs and lowest lows. Like when your kid's right. doing great, something's going great. It is the best feeling in the whole wide world. And when your kid's having a hard time, you are ground yeah, to a love. pulp and can't function. Yeah, that is, that's, that's exactly what it is. Same I mean, I feel the feel same way about stuff. when my husband is having a great day or a terrible day. Yeah. I'm in it with them. You know, it's just, yeah. 
that's how it is. And I, you know, think about the, the, what, why it is that I knew so early on that I didn't want to have kids. And I do think it has a lot to do with, I had a great deal of responsibility as a kid. I essentially took care of my mom um, because she was not having a great time. Turns out, you know, uh, things that I'm learning now and in the process of learning about early trauma and how it affects those kids that are in foster care and, you know, and so forth. Uh, And it's a big impact. It's one of the reasons it's so hard to be a foster parent is often those kids come to you with deep trauma from what happened to them, what, what caused them to be put into the foster system to begin with. Um, I, I was, I spent a lot of time raising my two younger brothers as a, as a, as a young child in like, before I was 10, I was cooking for the family and had all these responsibilities. And, um, I think I spent a lot of my adult life trying to not have responsibility, trying to not, I mean, that's one of the reasons I was so psyched to retire early. It's like, that's it. I don't have to be responsible to anyone except me and my husband. And I chose that. So it is important that you know how much of a responsibility it is and, and, and enter into it with a joy and excitement and commitment that you have. Well, it's a lot of folks aren't like that. They don't realize or they think, oh, I just need to do this. Like it's like you need to do, it's part of your, that's how people grow up and are adults as they have kids. And I'm like, there's a lot, I think there's a lot more thinking to be done here, person. Well, I think, I think there's a lot of people in Colorado who don't have kids. Like it's pretty culturally normal here for people my age to not have kids and and Mm -hmm. you know if if i'm in texas and i tell somebody i have four kids they're like yeah but when i'm in colorado and i tell people i have four kids they're like are you mormon did you know what dog was an option yeah uh and uh it's it's you know i get it like Mm -hmm. i understand the reasons to not have kids when you choose to have kids especially two one's a little bit of a different story but by the time you have two your life is over your life 100% <laughs> revolves around the children. Like you mm-hmm. you don't go on the vacations you want. You don't eat the things you want. You don't do the things you want. Your life is 100% about your kids. And in my opinion, and you know, like it's worth it. It's fun. And I love it. And I'm excited about later and especially as they get older. And like, I love watching them become teenagers. I can't wait till they're out of the house. And it's like, I'm, I'm excited to just like go visit them and watch them be. See their lives. Yeah. Yeah. And if, if I could spend my retirement just traveling around between four kids, I'd be thrilled with that. Like that sounds fucking delightful. So it, it does, I think, give you a meaning and a purpose that mm-hmm. is delightful to have. And, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. with all the ups and downs and pains and joys therein. So, Yeah, definitely that idea that if you don't have kids, your life doesn't have a meaning has been brought up to me before. And I'm not saying that's what you said to me, but um, I definitely have had people be like, well, who's going to take care of you when you're older? You know, that kind of stuff. I'm like, that's really utilitarian. I'm not yeah. having kids so that I can have a purpose. I'm not having kids so that mm-hmm. I have some people to take care of me when I'm older. Like it, yeah, yeah. It it seems so selfish. I I don't yeah. want that. And and I um I mean I you know that's one of the reasons that I wanted to stack up a lot of money to make sure that when I'm older and when my husband is older we have enough that we don't have to depend on our our kids to to suffer because it's it's really hard oh yeah well so well we're always we're always joking with my kids on who's gonna who's gonna change dad's diapers when he's old like which one of you is it gonna fall on 
Yeah, that's one of the reasons I don't want a pet. I mean, my husband's super allergic to everything too, and I'm like, I'm not picking up anyone else's crap but yours. You know, that's <laughs> that's the thing. I don't want to have to deal with the waste of others unless it's someone I'm deeply in love with. And you know, your your kids hopefully will feel as as passionate about caring for you as you care for them now. Um, well, and and so the one thing I want to say too is this relates to work is there's there's a couple things that I think are interesting about kids and work. One is there's a lot of ways that I'm a better leader and coworker than I am a dad and spouse. It's amazing yeah, how we've at talked work, about this in shows. Yeah, I can disconnect myself and think what is the appropriate way to respond in this situation at work, and I'm very good at it. And part of it is I can walk, you know, I'm I'm there for a certain number of hours a day, and I can walk away from it and chew on it. Where my family, I never walk away from and chew on, or basically never. Um, so. That's it's interesting to me the conversations that I have with my kids where I'm like, this is how I talk to a report, or the conversation I have with my mm. wife where I'm like, why am I worse at doing this with my wife than I am with a peer at, at work? Like I would more listen stake. better. I would, yeah. I mean, it's also like you end up in habits in your twenties that that are hard to break the rest of your life. That you know in work I get better and better at and I get put in new environments and I get chances to try over again and I get to show up in a place that has no idea the baggage that Kendall has from previous place and more opportunity for character development sure and anyways I just think it's I think it's interesting I think the ways that uh I learn to there's a significant parallel between choosing to let go and not micromanage as a leader and choosing to let go and not micromanage your children. It's almost surprising how similar those two are. And letting my kid use a knife or use a power saw the first time is 500 times harder for me than letting somebody make a million mistakes in hiring and firing or watching them take down production for crying out loud. Like, I don't know why, but it's so much more painful for me. Um, yeah yeah and, uh, when it's your kids for sure when it's my kids yeah but it's, well it's we've, we've asked parallel. this question a number of times maybe not recently i feel like in some of our recent uh interviews we've kind of stayed more in the first half of the questions we tend to ask and then not really had time to get into the later questions that's probably my mostly my fault for being like "Ooh, tell me about this Ooh, tell me about this other thing um but <clears throat> we do talk about you know as you've become a uh, a more experienced manager and developed your skills at dealing with issues with your reports and so on. Has that improved uh, your interpersonal relationships with your family and friends? And people right. often say, yeah, I find it once I have, now that I understand a little more about the dynamic of having a difficult conversation with someone or, or being in charge in some way, uh, I can bring that to bear on my you know, my relationships and, you know, there's jokes about like having a one-on-one with your partner or whatever. Um, I think it makes a big difference. I think people do bring their skills home and it is good as long as they're, you know, not, not acting like the stakes are the same because they're not stakes are much higher with your family. And I'm not sure that everybody feels that way or understands that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I I do wonder sometimes like, what if I had, you know, cause I, I, in, in the critical years of my life, but as a teenager and a young adult, I was deeply involved in fundamentalist religion. And with that comes these ideas, as, as you and your wife experienced, of like the woman's role is to get married and have kids and be protected from oh, education man. and all that stuff. 
and I really do sometimes sit there and go, wow, how could have things been different? Like I definitely would not have been a tech writer and ended up in the more senior roles and community leadership stuff. I just wouldn't have had the time. I wouldn't have been able to balance both. I think people should be able to do that. I think women should have that opportunity, but I think it's, it's not yet. Reality is not like that. So, so one horror story I have of a religious organization is um, there was a, there was a driven woman that was, I mean, she was very good at her job, uh, operational leader who had kind of climbed the ranks in the organization. And uh, at one point she had two kids and at one point HR sat her down and said, why can't you just be content at home with your kids. And oh I was God. like, I'm going to find that guy and burn so him illegal. around. I mean, this guy yeah. is the HR person that I've told stories about before who, wow, HR was the wrong role for him. But, um, it sounds like it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just, it is, it is amazing how that can permeate through things, even though, you know, she's showing up at work and kicking ass repeatedly. And, uh, somehow yeah, yeah. this patriarchal driven, well, somehow, like it's it, you're fucking soaking in it, Kendall. It's everywhere. It's not just in your religious organization. Oh, I know. Women yeah. we know have been denied jobs and then found out later it's because someone was worried they were going to get pregnant. No, you know, like women I know just horrible have denied women jobs because mm-hmm. they don't think the the woman has what it takes to you know. Oh yeah, like, sexism is in everything. It's not just yeah. in men, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I totally, it's in the system. Yeah. Yeah, no, and 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 as a as a dad of daughters, right, who's raising Ooh. them to have a different I'm a feminist. I have daughters. Yeah. Ooh. No, no. I mean, I mean, I spend a lot of time thinking about like how do I want them to grow up and be in a different system. I mean, because there's things that I miss. I had a great experience growing up in the church. Like for the most part, it mm-hmm. was wonderful for me. Now, also yeah, when I look back on the baggage that you. I have, oh yeah, but well, and also there's there's baggage and bullshit and all kinds of problems I have. Like to the point where even with my sons, like I, you know, I wouldn't want, uh, I wouldn't want them to grow up in the system anyways. You know, like and and mm-hmm. uh, my daughters either. Like it's not worth the trade offs, even though like there's oh, things yeah. that I miss. But I I spend a lot of time thinking about like you know, what, what do I want for my daughters and how do I encourage them and how much of the system is ingrained in me when I think about, my daughters talk to me all the time about the kinds of degrees they want, right? And one wants to go do tech and science and probably will never have kids and swears she'll never get married. And, and, uh, uh, I don't, I don't honestly have a strong opinion about that. Yeah. Like I get it. And, uh, but, um, the other one just doesn't have a clue, right? And she's like, I don't know what I want to do. And and that's like that's how I was kind of going into college. Mm-hmm. I was like, who, who cares? And um, it's interesting just trying to have that conversation with her where it is dream big, where it is, you know, the world is your oyster, apple, mm-hmm. candy bar, whatever the world needs to be for you, whether you're into seafood or candy or fruit anyways um it's very open wow i got really distracted there uh and um you know (laughs) i I don't know i just think it's 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 interesting because i do have i have generational and cultural baggage and i want my kids to grow up in something different and i know that my parents were the same way with me they grew up with generational and cultural baggage and spent a long time trying to raise me different steps forward every time and there's definitely steps back sometimes but yeah 
I, I definitely also like if I had kids, I would be stressed out about their lives all the time. Right. And there are people who choose not to have kids because they're like, what kind of a world are we leaving them? And that's totally valid as well. Like they may want to have children, but they don't feel comfortable bringing them into this world, especially the way it's going at the moment. Like hell in a handbasket does not even begin to describe it. Um, You know, fascism wise, uh, environmental concerns wise, like I, I am doubly glad I didn't do it because holy crap. Yeah. What's that that song? Don't tell me to calm down. It's freaking me out that you're not freaking out. My my daughter loves this song. It's a, um, that's a good but, uh, that's a good way of putting it. The so I want to bring up our normal question about our relationship with authority because I think uh, it's interesting in light of being a father, right? Um, mm-hmm. What I think is interesting about being a dad and the thing that still I think about it all the time when I was a kid. My parents were these looming figures. They were so important in my life. And as a dad, I, I constantly feel like there is no way I'm well, as I'm important to you scary, yeah. as my dad was to me. Like there's just, there's no way I mean this much to you. And, and I, I, I have to, like I, it, it must be that that's the case. But it's, it's weird how on this side of it, it just feels so different. And I think, I mean, I think there's a parallel to work there. Like the intimidation factor that you mm-hmm. feel as an individual contributor the power distance between you and the CEO is this overwhelming thing. And then when you get to become CEO and you feel like a wiener that doesn't matter and you're like, there's no way I'm as important (laughs) to these people as my CEOs have been to me. And I I think it's a really interesting direct parallel. Totally. uh, Manager on up. But uh, yeah. And this this idea that you're pretending, you know what you're doing. I mean, I do think that, you know, biologically, evolutionarily speaking, humans know how to be parents. It's just sort of built in. Uh, It's the world that you're parenting in that makes all the difference around whether you know what you're doing or not, Um, whether you're doing the right things in the in the environment that you're in. But uh, I do think it's the same way. Like you're you know, you have to be the solid, reassuring presence for your kids. At least I hope, you know, I imagine a lot of parents aren't really like that. But uh, similarly, uh, as a as a new leader, as a, a less experienced CEO, you're just like, well, I still have to act as though I know what I'm doing. And the, the key is to find the balance where you're not impossible to approach because of your seniority and position, yeah. but you're still trusted to know what you're doing so that folks below you in the org can put their head down and get to work and not worry about is the company going to fall apart next week kind of thing. Similarly, my, my dad knows what to do. My dad will make sure I have enough to eat and a place to sleep and will take care of things so I don't have to worry about that. Well, Similarly, and another parallel yeah. there that I think is interesting is um, the same way, you know, the movies joke about you just want your parents to say that they're proud of you and yeah. that they're pleased with anything you're doing. Like there's so much at work that is relevant to that. Like you mm-hmm. just want to hear that your boss is happy with yeah, the job that they know doing. what you're up to and, and that they think it's good. Yeah. Well, so my challenge out of this is think about the thing that you are most insecure about in your family and go 
be the opposite, like, like make that not an insecurity for your reports. Like if you're, if you, your parents never told you they loved you, make sure you're the person at work that's telling everybody all the time. I'm pleased with the work you're doing. You're doing the right things. You're working on the right things. Keep doing this. It's the right, mm-hmm. like be the opposite. Let your wounds drive your good behaviors yeah. uh, because those are the things you're going to remember the most. And you have the p- biggest potential to make a positive impact at work. Wow. That's uh that's super inspirational. I, I don't know that, you know, it, just like in your intro where you talk about, it doesn't have to be one in 10 all the time. Yeah. I think you need to adjust, adjust what you're, uh, what you're projecting to match what's going on around you. Um, so not necessarily always be the exact opposite of what you were worried about as a kid, but you know, definitely lean into that. I, I always. Agree. Yeah, sometimes that's the difference between the two of us right in there in a nutshell i'm like the mm, context <laughs> rachel any insecurities you have from kids just don't take them out on your reports see you made the right you made the right choice here you don't have any kids you don't, have, don't any have any reports, reports. you that's just it. this is yeah yeah well i done. just uh make the glue happen that uh makes it possible for other people to do a good job in those areas that's i feel that's like right. that's definitely one of those, the big motivations for me to be involved in what I'm involved in. I don't think kids shouldn't exist. We do definitely joke around here. Babies are stupid. Like whenever there's a baby in a movie or, you know, whenever it's focused on child, then my husband and I look at each other and one of us says, babies are stupid. But oh, uh, yeah. Uh, when, whenever <laughs> I see a newborn, I have the like, thank God I'm not in that phase of life. Oh yeah, you're um, not. You're not. Because you, you always see the like, person sees the baby just like you described when you saw the little girl at that school meeting oh i need to have another one and you're just like oh god no don't do that it's almost always the wrong choice you should not be inspired by that what's funny is before i got fixed so so i wanted 10 kids right i had two and I was like, mm-hmm. you know what? Four's good. Four's good. And yeah. uh, I think if I'd been in America, I probably would have stopped before four. Like, it costs a lot less to have mm-hmm. children in China than it does to have children in America. Uh, <sighs> and and I don't just mean the birth. Like, my birth in Thailand cost me $100 for my second kid. When the nurse told me, I literally teared up and hugged her. Um, which I <laughs> don't think culturally was very appropriate or that she knew oh, what to do with it. Anyways, um, the... Uh, <laughs> But it's so emotional. <laughs> the, so so I have two, and when we're in the process of adopting the other two, I say to my wife, like, four's good. I'm good. Let's go get, you know, I, I'm going to go get fixed. And she's like, no, 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 I want to wait. Like, what if a year in like- we're, yeah, we, we want to have one more. And uh, we were like... Two weeks after the boys came home, she's like, schedule it, schedule it. Let's get it done. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, oh yeah, that's right. Well, what's what's also funny to me in in the to your point about the like the hormones make you want to go back and do that again. So mm-hmm. when my uh, both I mentioned both of my daughters were pretty traumatic births. When my second daughter was born, and she was 10 pounds, 10 ounces, and my wife is wow. not a large person. Yes. That's so a big baby, this yeah. was a traumatic birth. Also, we we were in Thailand. The doctor was mad when she, when the kid came out. She's like, this is a four month old Thai baby. Like, what the fuck? I would have never let you carry <laughs> this you to term. And, uh, yeah. So, anyways, um, we're at the airport flying back home like three weeks later, and my wife's like, I could do that again. And I'm like, were you not in the room? What the hell? How can you put like hormones are a powerful, powerful yeah. thing? Those are uh, drugs anyway. pumped into your system by your yeah. own brain. Yeah. And, yeah. And I can understand it's why real. people manage people and say holy shit i'm never gonna do that again 
and then just, they go back and do it again. I can relate. I yeah. definitely have done that. Definitely. So I, I have been married only in that regard. <laughs> I understand why people choose not to have kids. I, it's a completely valid decision. I'm thrilled I had kids. It's like my favorite thing in the world to be a dad. It's not my favorite thing in the world to be a dad all the time. Mm-hmm. There are times where I fucking hate it. There'd be something the wrong part. with you if you felt like it was perfect all the time. So, Well, even when it's not perfect, for the most part, I love being a dad. There's yeah, times where I, I don't. But I uh, think we both made the right choices for ourselves. We did. Yeah. And and it will and uh, it will 100% affect your career. You will either end up retired at a nice young age watching boats off of the pier of the northwest mm-hmm. of uh, America or you will be in the middle of America a long ways from any fucking thing and hoping that someday you can afford to put one of your children through college. <sighs> good luck, Kendall. <laughs> I feel like that's a good place to end. Uh, any <laughs> yes. recommendations to send us out on, Rachel? Hmm. Uh, I have not got anything to recommend just yet, uh, but I am looking forward to reading um, uh, a, a John Scalzi book called Starter Villain that I'm saving for my winter holiday trip. Okay. And I'm going to suggest um, Brandon Sanderson, The Way of Kings. If you're into fantasy books, I'm really oh, enjoying Oh, Brandon this. Sanderson. And, uh, Constantly writing. Yes. And um, there's a podcast called If Books Could Kill, where they basically go through and review. It's a lot of like uh, tech bro books, like the, the four-hour work week one's pretty hilarious. They, but they, they, they pull open a book and they just basically rip it to shreds. And they're <laughs> really funny uh, because, um, well... I don't, I don't want to ruin any more than that. If you haven't heard of If Books Could Kill, it's a great podcast. If you're listening to this, you're, you're probably a podcast another person. podcast. Well, and then this <sighs> is where we say like, subscribe, and get on your favorite iTunes <laughs> or Spotify and leave us a five-star review. It goes a long ways to improving our to reach. And, uh, doing nothing for us because we have no ads and don't care about that. <laughs> someday we will have maybe. No, no, ads. we will not ever have ads. I don't know. We're going to monetize the hell out of this thing. <sighs> Sure, Kendall. Probably not. Yeah. Anyways, have a good thanks, one. Rachel. <laughs> we'll talk to y'all later. Bye bye.